pray for us. Oh God, you're good. God, I pray that we would see the man of sorrows today. And God, that the gospel would be proclaimed, that your Holy Spirit would open up hearts to hear it. And I pray to our Lord that here, those who have ears would truly hear, Lord. It's your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So you are at a, uh, normally when we, as a church, we work our way through books of the Bible, and um, we uh, have been in Corinthians for a while. We spent uh, quite a many months in First Timothy, and have been working our way through Corinthians now, uh, but we are pausing that for what uh, is an elder installation service. Um, the reality is um, there is not a lot of not a lot of scripture that tells us how this works. And so depending on how you may have grown up in a church, it may look similar or look different. Uh, all we really have is, uh, is a picture of the laying on of the hands uh, by what it appears to be other overseers. And so that will take place today. Uh, but what we decided to do is we uh, wanted to um, just preach through eldership really quickly. Now you may hear if you're sitting anywhere near one of our covenant members, they may have just groaned a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Because they spent about 10 weeks uh, studying elders uh, just a while back when we went through Timothy. Um, but uh, this will be a much abbreviated um, sermon for sure. But I want um, to make sure that the weight of eldership um, is one that is felt not only by those who are currently elders, uh, but those who are potential elders uh, in addition to the congregation, I want them to feel the weight um, for the elders that are called to uh, serve them. And so my aim this morning is to charge both the elders and the congregation by reminding them of the seriousness of this calling. And so let's first begin um, with 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 through 4. And it would read like this. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. But when we hear that text, we must ask ourselves, um, what does it mean to shepherd? We have Peter here uh, reminding these men who are elders um, that he is a fellow elder and he, is, uh, he has witnessed the sufferings of Christ uh, and he is a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Uh, and he, because of that, is charging these men to shepherd the flock of God that is among you. And so we must ask ourselves briefly, what does it mean to shepherd? Well, I think all of us have seen a picture of shepherds um, handling sheep. And clearly, uh, shepherds must be Vigilant, they must be paying attention because uh, there are wolves uh, who would love to prey on the sheep. 
and that means shepherds, um, are out there no matter the elements, no matter the difficulty of the day or the difficulty of the night, they are there watching over the flock, making sure they don't run off a cliff, amen, Uh, making sure uh, that one does not wander off by itself, making sure that they are watching the horizon for the enemy. And so Peter continues by saying it means to exercise oversight. And so in our church, uh, we are what we call a um, elder-led church with limited congregationalism. And you might say, why do I need to know that? I just want you to understand, uh, if you're a guest here, what we mean by that. Um, And if you're a member here and you have forgotten, this is a good time to be reminded. That means our elders make the majority of the decisions in our church. Um, Understanding um, that they are doing so to protect the congregation and, more importantly, the gospel. So what that means here. How many of you grew up in a Baptist church? Okay, well, that means we have no committees here. Amen? So if you want to buy a copy machine, you don't have to go to the personnel committee to find out what person you have to talk to about the copy machine. And then once you find out who that person is, you have to meet with the budget committee to determine whether or not you have enough money to spend $300 for whatever machine you might need. Uh, and then they go to uh, some other committee to get that permission. And then, then then you have to fill out forms of paper and submit it. And about 17 months later, uh, you get the machine. Um, for those of you who are not laughing, you have not served on staff at a church. Um, but I bet many of you say the same thing about the corporations you work for. And uh, that is very similar. So we don't have that here. Our elders oversee uh, our church. Now, what we mean by limited congregationalism is our church does vote on a few things. They vote, one, on church discipline because Sovereign Life Fellowship practices church discipline. And so the church would vote on that. That means the excommunication of a church member who claims Christ but lives in a way that brings dishonor to Christ and, and refuses to repent or stop such action. Uh, and it is meant to restore them to the church uh, and should be done so as a last resort measure and out of abundance of grace and prayer. But nevertheless, our church would vote on that. The church votes on the hiring um, or um, ordination of elders. Uh, they vote on the removal of elders. They vote on our budget, and that is a way in which the church can hold the elders accountable financially uh, because we know elders that are held um, without any accountability in the finances. I think we've all seen TV shows and movies and news, have we not? Uh, that never seems to work out very well. And so they hold us accountable there, and they, and they vote on the purchase or sale of property. I say that because of this. Everything else in Sovereign Life Fellowship, our elders oversee and make the decisions for. Which means they have to live in such a way that the church trusts their decisions. It is a heavy burden to live in such a way and to walk in such a way and to speak in such a way that members are not sitting back going, I don't know that they're really doing that the right way. But instead, when we have men who follow the Lord 
and live godly that the church, um, generally speaking, trust their leadership. Peter then goes on to say they should do this not under compulsion, meaning not required. Uh, what we don't want is elders going, well, I guess I have to be an elder again this week. Um, although, uh, Wayne, uh, back me up here, 48 years you pastored, there may have been moments like that uh, where you thought to myself, I have to go up to the church and handle this again. But by and large, we want elders and shepherds who eagerly and willingly pastor and shepherd the flock. In other words, it is a joy for them to oversee God's people. And that's the kind of men that we want. And then it says that they would not do that for shameful gain, but eagerly, meaning uh, that's very helpful in our church because <laughs> none of the three elders that are going to be here today are getting paid. <laughs> so they're not going to be getting anything, and nor are the rest of our elders. The rest of our elders are bivocational, uh, and so it's very hard uh, to do that for financial gain, but there's even a shameful gain of wanting power and authority, and that. Peter would say, that's shameful gain. Your desire is to serve a body, not to um, domineer over them, as Peter will then say. He does not want you to domineer over those in charge. If an elder has to remind you that, by golly, he is the elder, uh, then he's probably not been leading in a very effective way. He should not be domineering his people. Uh, that is not a picture that we have of Christ. He should be um, strong and unmovable on the doctrines that we find in the Scripture, but not domineering over those God's placed into him. He must be an example to the flock. So he must be a man who says, do you want to know how to love, how to love your wife as Christ loves the church? I do. Then watch me. Do you want to know how to speak in a way that is godly, then watch me. Do you want to know how to handle things at work in a godly fashion, then watch me. Now, that does not mean they will be perfect, as you well know. But even in their failures, they should be leading by example of how do you handle a failure. And then Peter concludes and says that when the chief shepherd appears, he will receive an unfading crown of glory. So there is reward for this kind of service to the king when done well. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, Paul, writing to his young protege and his young pastor in Ephesus, says this to his pastor friend, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. I think we are all too well aware from our own experiences in church and maybe the news of pastors who preach and say one thing and yet live something very different. And Paul would say that should not be the case. And you need to understand as people, members of churches, maybe this church or other churches, that it is very possible to teach a doctrine of Scripture. It is very possible to hold the position of pastor, and yet, slowly but surely, finding yourselves not living out that truth in your own life. And Paul tells Timothy, be aware. Not only do you have to watch your flock and, and take care of them and look a, past the flock to the horizons to see what the enemy is up to, but 
you should also watch your own life. Be aware. Examine yourself daily. And he reminds them that what is at stake is their very own salvation and those who listen to you. Meaning that it is very possible to be a pastor, to preach and teach, and yet not know the Lord. Somebody can stand and educate you about things in the Bible, and yet they themselves not be a believer. And it is very possible to know the Lord and, as a pastor, fail in various ways that can and will lead others astray. How many people do you know that have been disillusioned by an experience they had in a church because of a pastor. Congregation, covenant members, it is your job to hold your elders, elders accountable for how they live their lives. And elders and potential elders, how you now live your life can, if not done rightly, lead others astray. For our three upcoming elders, I will teach you now something that you need to know, and that is from here on out, as the Lord continues your ministry here, you will rarely be known by what you do full-time for a living. Instead, if you misbehave, if you say something negative, if you get out of a line in a restaurant, if you have an argument with somebody, they will never say, well, that's so-and-so, and they do this. They will say, and he's a pastor. They will say that. And he is a pastor. And we must, as elders, understand that because we have been called to a public role of pastoring the church, that every word we say and every action we take will be held under a microscope, whether it be right or not right by the world, it will happen. And people will use us as reasons to not follow the Lord because we live in such a way that brings him dishonor. And so Paul wants to make sure Timothy understands this. You have to watch yourself. Pay careful attention. And now I want to shift to a mixture of a weight for the elders and a weight for you as members. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, it says this. Obey your leaders. Now, if you're Baptist, you're out, right? <laughs> Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. And let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Here's what is so weighty for me, and I hope and pray for the elders about this text. That we are told that we will give an account for how we led when you take the role of a pastor, you are taking oversight of men and women's souls. 
And as one pastor told me many years ago, long after those of you who are believers have experienced heaven, and long after you've gone through all that, and I don't know if this is theologically correct as far as chronological order, but I understand what he meant. He said, well, everyone else is enjoying heaven. You will still be standing before the creator of the universe to give an account of how you led your church. And the weight of that is profound. And I pray, potential elders, that you always ponder that truth. That you will give an account for how you lead, care, counsel, and teach this congregation. But this passage also has a weight for the members of our local church. As you are commanded to obey your leaders and submit to them. Now, let me clarify briefly, and we should because of so much news today. This is not blind or sinful submission. Abusive behavior by elders and pastors is unfortunately an all too common theme in the church. And it is a sinful theme. And it is an embarrassment to the gospel of Jesus. Elders are to lead their people, and the people should submit to their leadership. But elders, you are called to not domineer your people. You should lead them, and care for them, and guide them, and sacrifice for them. You are not to conceal sin. You are not to lie. You are not to be deceptive. That is not leadership that congregations should submit to. But we do see here, members, that for elders who rule well, as we'll see soon in 1 Timothy, that your response to the elders, the way in which you treat them, the way in which you follow their leadership and submit to their authority within the church is significantly responsible for their joy in overseeing you. And you, congregation, you covenant members of Sovereign Life Fellowship, and for many of those who are going through the process, you should submit to your elders and obey their leadership as unto the Lord. And in doing that, you help them have joy in their leadership. I say that for our church as preventive, not because we are not already joyful. It is a wonderful privilege to serve this church. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, we had pastor appreciation put on by some of the ladies of our church, and many of you gave and cared for us and uh, the other elders, and I just, I just cannot tell you how much joy it brings me to lead you. But your response to our leadership, not... Not your accountability to our leadership. Not holding us accountable. That is a role you have. But trusting us when we're leading, trying our best to follow the Lord. If you follow us like a three-year-old at the candy store who didn't get the candy they wanted, have none of you experienced that with your children? (laughs) I'm confused. And here's the capability of all of us. I, there's, I'm going off script. It's okay. 
Um, hopefully your elders, if you're here with a family of one of our potential elders, they've told you uh, that we're not a short church in service time. But anyway, um, let me give you a great example. Music. Here's what I know that's happened already in this room. Some of you love the service, and some of you did not like our worship service. It's just a reality. Some of you liked the kneeling before the Lord, and others of you thought, well, that's stupid. Uh, some of you like where we're holding church today. Some of you are like, must not be a real church. They're not meeting in a sanctuary, which, by the way, eliminates 90% of the churches in, in every foreign country. <laughs> some of you liked our coffee or irritated we didn't have a coffee bar. Some of you are mad that we didn't have a different variety of donuts. Some of you thought, I can't believe they had donuts at the church. I mean, it is on and on and on. Every single one of you who walk into this church, you come in with your own preference and your own experience of how church should be. Now, let's be honest. 99% of that is not, is not knowledge that we've gained from the Scripture. Nobody said amen. I got one. That's right. But that was an elder, so that doesn't count. <laughs> Most of us come in with our own preferences of things that we want. And if we were to ask, where is that in the Bible? You would say, I have no idea, but I bet it's in there. <laughs> you cared more about the tune of a song and the frustration of the tune than you ever actually read the words. And if an elder wants to pastor church and try to satisfy everybody, they are a fool. Because you, as individual people, are not able to be satisfied. It is only when we come together as a congregation with one goal in mind, and that is to exalt Jesus Christ. And everything else, our opinions and our desires and all of our preferences, even, even, <laughs> even our tertiary, that means not important enough, theological camps should be laid down for the worship of God among his people. And so our elders are going to do their very best to look at the scripture and make decisions. And not all of it's in here. This elder service and how we're going to do this is not in the Bible and whatever the one you've seen before is not in the Bible either. A group of guys got together and said, here's what we think it should be. And your response to decisions that elders prayerfully, I'm not talking about blind submission or sinful submission. Do you understand that? I want you to see the differences. I'm talking about when your elders pray and seek the Lord and they walk according to the Lord and, and they act godly and they look godly and they sound godly and they treat you godly and they come forward and they say, here's how we're going to do music service. And if that music service is not what you like, there's two choices you can make. One is to leave, which by the way, everyone in this room is really good at doing. Amen? Or you lay down your preferences for the good of the congregation and you submit yourself to the elders of the church. And we all love that. Like all of us in here say, yeah, give it to them. Until your preference isn't followed. And so people... 
congregation, covenant members of our church, and I would go ahead and say other believers. Does your pastor enjoy pastoring you? Or are you the one that makes him want to quit every week? Because guess who else gets to give an account for every careless word they've spoken? You do. And the things that some of us have said about our pastors will be brought to light before the creator and sustainer of the universe. So you submit to godly leadership. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 5, aren't you glad I got off that one? <laughs> 1 Timothy chapter 5, it says this, Let the elders who rule well, key word, be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Baptist people are now getting uncomfortable. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As, those who pers- as for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so the rest may stand in fear. Here's this. The elders who rule well, godly, Love Christ, not perfect, but love the Lord, not domineering, serve eagerly and willingly. Those elders who rule well, who are not godly just because they tell you that they're godly, but because you notice that they are godly, those elders should be honored. And the Bible says they should receive double honor. Now, if you try to give me a parking spot up by the front door, I will swiftly reject that. I think that's terrible for the pastor to say, you parked in my parking spot today. <laughs> I'm just awful. So anti-Jesus. And if your church has that, I would encourage you to go back and carefully ask the church to get rid of that. But that's not my business. It's your church. <laughs> anyway, but I would say that's not what I mean by honor. I think one of the ways that you honor your pastor is by submitting to his leadership. Giving him the benefit of the doubt when it's a preference that's not yours. How do you do double honor? I don't know. But every pastor I've ever met would love for the congregation to try to find out. Your pastors would be overwhelmed for you to show them double honor. It's also a clear indication, I believe, of the fact that all elders are called to shepherd, but some elders are specifically, specifically called and gifted more than other areas, more than the other elders in the area of preaching and teaching. But whatever they're gifting, elders who rule well are worthy of double honor. And if you're in a church that's not a member here, because our church does this well, we take care of stuff well, we are uh, bivocational, paid part-time, but we are paid well part-time. But if you're in a church where your pastor is one tick above being completely broke, you are not showing him double honor. And while you build $20 million sanctuaries, your pastor better be taken care of. No amens. (laughs) Amen? We will give an account and you will give an account for how you treated your pastors. People say, well, what if they start loving money? Then you handle that when that happens. Quit assuming that they're the only ones who are going to sin while you pursue your careers you sure love raises don't you and you always want to call your pastor first and tell him how the lord answered your prayer meanwhile he hasn't had a raise in years 
Man, that's not in the notes. I want to say it again. Our church has been beyond amazing to our pastors. Beyond amazing to our pastors. And I love it. And my hope is that this church always will be that way. And no pastor, whoever replaces me, which I hope is in about 25 years, um, no amens, uh, will be overwhelmed by what they pay them. Anyway. And finally, no one should accuse an elder without the evidence of two or three witnesses. What that means here is that you just can't toss accusations at elders left and right. There needs to be substantiated evidence about their behavior. But listen, if there is, do you see who, how they get handled? They get handled privately. And if they refuse to stop, guess where they are rebuked at? In front of everybody. You think that would send a message to the church about how serious we believe sin is? And that is what we see here. Now, why does this have to be so serious about all of this? Why are we so serious? Why does Paul and Peter seem to be so serious and the writer of Hebrews seem to be so serious about eldership? And that is because they are the proclaimers of the gospel. And the gospel matters. It is not live your life however you want to or live your life like everybody else in the world. Pursue the same things, think the same way, do the same things, acquire the same things, and then stand in the pulpit and preach to you not to do that but to live for heaven. That's not the gospel. It's not my job as the pastor to come in here and tickle your ears and make you feel good and make you leave going, wasn't that an uplifting service? No, 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 no. My call as a pastor is to preach the Bible to you. And if you don't ever leave your church under heavy conviction, change churches because you ain't that holy. Amen? And you need the pastor to preach the word of God to you. Because the gospel matters. And when life is beating you up and you are discouraged and you are depressed and you need an uplifting sermon, do you know what the uplifting sermon is? The gospel. That we, you go, what is the gospel? Now our church members are happy right now because they know this is the end of the sermon. <laughs> what is the gospel? Well, here's the gospel. Are you ready? The gospel is this, that you were born into sin. Nobody had to teach you how to sin. Now, you may have friends who taught you how to sin better, but you knew how to sin. And you've probably taught people how to sin. And that sin separated you from a holy, holy, holy God. And his only way to take care of sin unrepented sin is to send you to hell forever. People say, I don't believe that. Go read your Bible and change churches if you're not hearing that. But, great word in Ephesians chapter 2, but God loved you. And even when you were in full rebellion to him, even when you were running your own race, 
toward sin, with sin, as far and as deep into it as you could possibly get. God loved you. Isn't that amazing? And he loved you so much that he sent his own son to live a life that you could never live. And the sinless Christ went to the cross to obey his father and his sacrifice on the cross to those who believe takes care of their sin. Your sin transferred to Christ and Christ's righteousness transferred to you. And for those who believe and those who put their faith in Christ, they are no longer seen by the Father as sinful people, though we still are. No, no, no. They are seen as righteous. We didn't have enough coffee. You went from being in the kingdom of darkness to being transferred to the kingdom of light. You are now adopted sons and daughters of the Most High King. Mm. that's the gospel that no matter what happens to you no matter what the world throws at you that you have an author and perfecter of your faith that you are called to look at and endure suffering and struggles and here's why because what is in store for you is better than anything you could ever have here so if you're discouraged today, if you're depressed today, listen, I'm not knocking you. I get it. Do you not get it? But then there's the gospel. It's called good news for a reason. And people would say, how would I come to know Christ? Don't I have to repeat a prayer after me? Don't I have to say this? No, no, no. no, no. None of that. The Bible doesn't even teach it that way. Here's what the Bible teaches. Repent. And believe. So the Bible says, repent, which means to say, I'm no longer going this way, but by God's grace, I'm going to go a different way. I'm going to fail. I'm going to struggle. I'm going to fall down. But the evidence that you have come to know Christ is that your life is marked by a desire to serve your king. And if your life is not marked that way, then you never met the creator and sustainer of the universe because you can't meet Jesus and not be dramatically changed. That's the gospel. The gospel matters. It matters because everyone in here came in here today with burdens and struggles and brokenness and depression. And elders, it is our job to shepherd this flock and point them to the answer. I'm going to ask Matei Sokotenu and Ben Bowman and Keith Wilkerson to come and stand up here with me, right here, all three candidates. Lucas and Leander are going to come here. I'm going to ask y'all just to stand and send my face to the audience. We're going to read some elder vows. Um, they have been asked 
many, many, many theological questions over the last six months. So none of this will be new. Um, but I'm going to ask you something, and afterwards you're going to say, I do. The very last couple you will uh, probably have to say, I will. And maybe one you might say, I am. But nevertheless, you just can, you say um, in an affirmation of what we are asking you to repeat. Congregation, you will have some vows as well in a minute, but we're going to start with the elders. Elders, candidates, do you reaffirm your faith in Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior? Do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the Word of God, totally trustworthy, fully inspired by the Holy Spirit, the supreme, final, and the only infallible rule of faith and practice? Do you sincerely believe the statement of faith and covenant of this church contained the truth taught in the Holy Scriptures? Do you promise that if at any time you find yourself out of accord with any of the statements in the statement of faith and covenant, you will, on your own initiative, make known to the elders the change which has taken place in your views since your assumption of this vow. Do you subscribe to the government and discipline of sovereign life fellowship? Do you promise to submit to your fellow elders in the Lord? Do you desire the office of elder because of a sincere love of God and not for shameful gain, but instead with a desire to promote his glory and the gospel of his son? Do you promise to be faithful in promoting the truth of the gospel and the purity and peace of the church, whatever persecution or opposition may arise to you on that account? Will you be faithful and diligent in the exercise of all your duties as elder, whether personal or relative, private or public? And will you endeavor by the grace of God to adorn the profession of the gospel in your manner of life and to walk with exemplary piety before this congregation? Do you recognize how serious and weighty the office of elder is, understanding that you will one day stand before the Lord and give an account of how you lead the members of Sovereign Life Fellowship in every word you say, action you take, counsels you give. Are you now willing to take personal responsibility in the life of this congregation as an elder to oversee the ministry and resources of the church and to devote yourself to prayer, the ministry of the word, and the shepherding of God's flock? Relying upon the grace of God in such a way that Sovereign Life Fellowship and the entire church of Jesus Christ will be blessed. I'm going to ask the covenant members of Sovereign Life to stand. And I'm going to ask those who desire to, who are in our covenant member process, to stand. Going, your vows will be up on the, your responses, you'll see your vows up on the screen. We have two of them. The first is, um, do you, 
the members of Sovereign Life Fellowship acknowledge and publicly receive these men as elders, as gifts of Christ to this church. Will you love them and pray for them in their ministry and work together with them humbly and cheerfully that by the grace of God you may accomplish the mission of the church, giving them all due honor and support in their leadership to which the Lord has called them to the glory and honor of God. You may be seated. Our elders will now take a seat, one in each chair, um, clearly. (laughs) That would be awkward. (laughs) Sometimes you need to read your notes. (laughs) And what we will now do is we're going to move to a time that the elders will lay hands on each man and pray for them. Uh, I would ask the church just to privately pray yourself as we move through this process. This will be just for the elders to do, but I would ask for you to be praying uh, as well. Uh, Wayne will start us off. Uh, He'll start by praying over Ben. Um, Lucas will follow Wayne, and then I will follow uh, Lucas as we pray over each one of these men individually. And I just would ask that you pray for us and pray for them and their families, uh, their lives are forever shifting. I believe that there is... um, A mantle, if you would say, that shifts to pastors and a weight there. So pray for us as we move through this. Whew. Three years ago, there was about 11 people here. (laughs) It's crazy to see what the Lord has done and what the Lord has. We prayed for leaders. We prayed for leaders, didn't we, guys? (laughs) And the Lord has um, been so kind to us. We are undeserving of it. He has been so kind to bring us people. Um, Even my mentor, Keith, who um, everything I've ever done right in ministry has been because he told me to do it that way. And every reason I didn't do something right is because I disobeyed something he told me. And the Lord would even bring him back um, to serve alongside of me. And that's just, um, God's been so good. Um, So, I want to have our elders stand. We have a few more tasks to do, uh, but on behalf of the elders... We present to you, Sovereign Life Fellowship, your newest pastors, Pastor Keith Wilkerson, Pastor Matei Sokotanu, and Pastor Ben Bowman, and um, we are thrilled to have you here. For the elder charge, elders, here is your congregation that you will give an account for. Shepherd them well. Love, cherish, guide, correct, and protect them as unto the Lord. Congregation, here are your elders who God has brought to lead you. Follow them as they follow Christ. Pray for them, honor them, love them, 
and hold them accountable to live lives worthy of the gospel. I would like our wives of the elders to now come forward. We're going to have a time of prayer for them. We're almost done. (laughs) And I want to address this to our church. The greatest role of a pastor is to love his wife as Christ loves the church. And the church cannot come before the wife because they are one flesh. And the greatest way our elders can serve you is to love and serve our wives well, to honor them and cherish them just as Christ honors and cherishes his church. And so I would ask as a church that you would never ask us to do otherwise. Amen? That that would be our highest priority. And from that, our highest priority, may we serve passionately the church. So we're going to gather this group, and we're going to pray, uh, and then um, we'll have some congregational prayer, and then we'll dismiss. So, uh, yeah, what a good day. What a good day. Pardon us real quick as we pray as a team. We just gather over here. This is good. This is good. Men, love your wives. Cherish them. Protect them and never put the church before your own flesh. Love your kids, be an example. And out of that, may we lead our church well. Keith, will you pray for us? Lastly, but not least, I need for our church, our covenant members, and those who are coming to be covenant members, to be reminded of something that's very different for most of us and how we grew up. And that is this. If you were visited or greeted or ministered to by any of these men, then you have been ministered to by a pastor at Sovereign Life Fellowship. There is no the pastor. I am not the pastor. I am one of the pastors. This group of men pastor this church. And may we do so in such a way that honors the Lord and brings him glory. Now for covenant members, if you are a covenant member of our church or if you are are a a member, a person who is going through our covenant member process, I would ask for you to come and join us up here as we pray over these men uh, one more time, uh, and their families. Families can come up as well. Of these, all of y'all, please come if you're a member or going through our process. And then we will dismiss with a song. We're going to sing "Amazing Grace." To, I think it's the first and last because that's the only thing we do in churches. Uh, And uh, we'll sing that a cappella when we get done praying. Keith will lead us in that. And we will dismiss with that. I want to thank you, those of you who have visited with us. uh, Thank you for being here and supporting your friends and family. Pray that you have uh, been encouraged by the Lord today. Uh, And I would ask that you keep praying for them uh, as they will continue to need that prayer, uh, no doubt, in their lives. 
we can get tighter. Come on. We're all going to be in heaven together one day. So I'll pray for us. Lord God, you have been so good to us. Um, You birthed a dream in some men's hearts a few years ago. And God, you have been faithful to us in so many ways. Uh, We are undeserving of it, Lord. I I know that we have uh, probably made many mistakes as we have attempted to grow this church. And I am thankful that your grace has continued to uh, um, forgive us and give us wisdom and give us clarity to make better decisions. But Lord, we are very confident that we got this one right. That you have brought us men uh, who have a heart for you and a passion for you, who desired to be pastors, along with their families, who also desired for this to happen. And I pray, God, that you would exalt your name um, among these people, that Sovereign Life Fellowship will not grow as a brand, um, but, God, that we will grow as a church. And that, Lord, the only thing people would see when they come here is they would not see anything more than men leading who have been saved by grace. And that we are such great sinners. Um, But we serve a great Savior. And may that be our message. We love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And the man who said that was the same one who wrote that song. So... uh,